Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Jessica. Jessica Lucery. Lucery? Lucery. Lucery. I can see. Mm-hmm. I, I checked with Jessica before and I, I, and I was pronouncing it Lucieri. And now she's corrected me. I still can't get my head quite round it. <laughs> um, it's, but it's, a, it's a, an Italian name. But Jessica... More importantly, Jessica is um, an adoptee and she also works at Spence Chapin. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to uh, this conversation. So thank you for coming on the show, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Cool. So um, mentoring, that's one of the key roles that you, um, that, that you fulfill at uh, Spence, Spence Chapin. Um, so we're gonna explore mentoring as a way of helping helping adoptees heal and, and thrive. So big question for you. Yes. Um, and then we'll dive into it. How, how does mentoring help us adoptees thrive? How would you, how, how would you see that? In my experience, um, I think mentoring is a great way for people to see themselves reflected back. You know, and for so many of us, our experiences seem so much of our own. And, uh, you know, we tend to ask a lot of questions to ourselves and kind of keep our stories and our experiences contained. So what mentoring does is it gives you the opportunity to hear from other people who share this very deeply common bond. Um, And, you know, in a very, you know, I hate to use the word normal, but in a normalized way where, you know, you start to realize that, you know, being an, being an adoptee is one element of who you are. um, And there's so many things that make us us. So to have different representations of adoptees and adoptees experiences kind of, you know, just available to you in a mentoring setting, um, it really gives you a sense of belonging and a sense of, uh, you know, having a shared experience with a lot of people. Yeah. There's so much there. And, and the first thing pops into my head is that conversation I had last week. I was talking about meeting, I think, the, the, the first conversation that I had with uh, another adoptee who wasn't my sister um, was when I was like 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was that bond, an instant, uh, an instant bond. And the, the, the bond creates some kind of that the bond normalization of this stuff creates some kind of safe zone. There's like it's uh it's it's like an instant, it's like an instant connector. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's the great thing about you know talking to other adoptees, whether you're in a mentoring setting or not, it's you know, you just get that that sense of you meet somebody, you have that shared experience. There's so much that you don't have to say because you both just get it. Yeah. So I guess the difference between my chat at a, a party, you know, like thirty odd years ago, and a, and and, a, and a, you know, like an, an acquaintance rather than a mentor, um, there's there's a lot here about the, the the mentors who are maybe ahead of us on the journey, so they can. Uh, they can uh, what, what's what's the word? They can share the wisdom that they've learned 
on that bit of the journey that that they are ahead of. They they've done more, learned more, and they can kind of pass that back. You know, that's that's the the assumed kind of um, you know outlook on what you know mentoring in in my experience in this particular program has been. But for any of the mentors who have been mentoring for a long time, you know, where we have longer life, you know, we've had longer lives than the kids that we mentor. Um, there's a lot of times that we're in those spaces and those kids are the ones that are kind of sharing their own lived experiences with us and mentoring us in ways, because although they may be younger, you know, the, the conversation of adoption and the, um, the experience of, of having it be more of a public conversation than it ever was for my generation um, gives them some more very real experiences with kind of being a person who's living out loud as an adoptee, whether they've chosen to or not. So the mentoring happens really kind of all around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's wonderful. Interesting. Um Something flashed into my head. It's nothing to do with uh, uh, nothing to do with the adoption, but all to do with a, um, a the, the wisdom of a younger person. So sure. they tend to have less on their minds. Seemingly, for some, you yeah. know, we we as adults we have our own. You know, like you know, adulthood is what it is, and there's just a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure. Um, but these kids live in, in a world now where, you know, with all of this connectivity and all of these social pressures and external pressures that we may not have had at their age, you know, I can't say it's necessarily comparable. It's just different. You know, there's, yeah. Yeah. The particular, as I asked that question, before I asked you a question, two examples came to my mind. Um, the, the, the second one was kids get over stuff faster so i remember being on holiday and um our friends had left their dog in a in a kennel while they're on holiday and the the dog unfortunately died and oh the, the, the parents everybody's distraught about it right we knew the dog we were upset as well um and the the, the but the following morning their like three-year-old daughter had got over it quicker and, and wow. the, the, ha, I think I, I, I often talk about this on the podcast is that I, I, fragility is learned. I mean, people talk about resilience yeah. being learned, but I, I, I don't, I think, I think we're kind of like we're born resilient. We, we, the older we get, the more fragile or the slower. It's often we, we bounce back slower as we, as right. we get um, older. And and I guess that that bounce back is also part of the wisdom. That, you know, the wisdom drives the the, the bounce back. And yes. That, that that may be. Have you ever seen? Have you have you ever seen that 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 um, resilience or wisdom coming through from a, a younger, perhaps the 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 the. the the kid that thinks that they're the mentee and then mm-hmm. they step into a role when then they become the they they, they become a, a a mentor or they just have a wiser take on on stuff and, and that's when the traditional kind of 
older and wiser right. idea gets flipped on its head. Absolutely. I mean, there's elements, of course, that, you know, having a longer experience just being older can trickle down into, you know, how our kids kind of move through their lives because they have these examples, they have these people that they trust and they, and they, you know, grow to know. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, within our program, you know, we we create a lot of space for fun. We create a lot of space for open conversations and talking about the things that kind of matter the most to adoptees. And sometimes, you know, that that can talk about, you know, we talk about, you know, talking about difficult topics or how we share our stories or what happens when our narrative is taken away from us and is shared with people that we you know, may not have necessarily shared our story with. And it's in those moments when our mentors who've been through similar experiences from, you know, for the most part, have had their story told for them by other people, you know, they have learned how to, to, to work through that and how to um, take ownership back of their stories. And when we talk about these things, we talk about owning your narrative and, you know, you being in charge of, of what information is shared about your story, um, you know, I think from the adoptee lens, it's so important to talk in those terms because for a lot of us, you know, the story is kind of shared as, you know, a family story or in preparation for us as younger people to go into new spaces, our parents may have to give a little bit of a background. So when we talk about ownership to these teenagers of your own narrative, it empowers them to, to feel like, you know, maybe I know how to approach bullies differently. Maybe I know how to approach new settings differently. And so in that, it's taking the experience, the lived experience of the mentors, of how they have had to go through those spaces themselves that helps these kids in, incorporate that into their own lives. And therefore, you know, giving them that resilience to, to, to live in spaces, to exist in spaces and know that, you know, it may be a new place. It may be new people that they're sharing space with and they can own their stories. They can be in charge of, you know, how their information is shared with other people if they choose to share it. Um, I mean, that's one example of, of resilience. Um, but absolutely in those ways, you know, we're seeing, we're able to give back to these kids in ways that we never had anyone there to to help us through some of these things that we probably never even knew that we could have an older um, example of, you know, an experience that we share to kind of help us guide us, you know, help guide us through some of these tricky or trickier or, you know, more complicated places in life. Yeah. Cause I see a lot of, uh, yeah, they, they, I see a lot of people very upset by having their narrative taken off them. I see a lot of adults very um, cheesed off about it. And then they get cheesed off about it even more when somebody calls them an angry adoptee. Sure. Um, of course. Uh, so how does mentoring help avoid that? I mean, I think, mentoring and creating these safe spaces and, and these, you know, very dynamic spaces for adoptees at a young age. Um, I think that it, you know, it, it gives us, it gives adoptees the power to write the narrative. Um, so much of, 
of the experience is other people telling us how we should exist, right? We should be grateful. We should be thankful. We should be happy that we are where we are. And, you know, those elements of telling somebody how to live kind of starts to influence them, you know, as they grow into an independent person. And if they start having questions about that, or if they start kind of wondering where, where is my voice in all of that, and they don't have a place to ask those questions, or they don't have a place to share those experiences with others who get it, um, they can start internalizing it. And that can lead to, you know, that can lead to them not kind of taking ownership of their own story and their narrative and, and feeling like they are a product of other people's decisions. Um, And, you know, and so I think mentoring gives a place to talk about these things and, and, put it out on the table and and hear from other people who may share some of the, you know, these deep thoughts that you may have inside of yourself and talk about it openly and therefore, quote unquote, again, not wanting to use the word normal, but normalize it. Yeah. No one's ever told me I should be grateful. Um, So I I like, but generally speaking, I'm, I'm not very, happy about anybody telling me anything that I <laughs> totally. do, right? You know? Right. I, and and I think that's a human thing rather than mm-hmm. rather than a, an, an adoption thing. Um I'm so I'm sure some shrink would be able to point that back and try to make that. But uh it, it of I, I, I've I, I've seen it too I've seen it too often in two other people. In two mm-hmm. in, 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 you know everybody wants to have an opinion and um Everyone's got one, but just, you know. Uh, uh, I heard something on this a while ago, and it's something like other people's opinions of us is none of our business. Something like that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and that's also something to a certain degree, what we talk about in mentorship, you know, there, you know, we talk about, there's a lot of the kids that are in our program who are transracial adoptees, myself included. So I was born in Colombia. I was raised in New York by Italian American parents. And, um, you know, there's a lot of that, you know, when we're out in public, you know, a lot of that looking at, you know, I have brown skin, I have very curly hair. Um, my parents and I did not look alike. They had lighter skin, they had lighter hair. Um, so we were, you know, we were a family that one could look at and say, hmm, I wonder what's going on there. And people would do that, but they would say it. They would say, and I remember them saying very silly things to me. You know, they would say very, very, it was always, the approach was always very strange to me. People would start asking like, oh, you look so much like your mom. My mom was, very fair skinned, had red hair and freckles, could not look more different than me at any point in my life. And, you know, what we talk about in mentorship is, you know, we're observing our parents in those, in those moments when they are the voice, they are the voice of, you know, the rebuttal or, or they're the answer to that very, those absurd questions. And we're watching how they interact, how they answer and how they kind of, you know, move through those conversations. Um, And what we ultimately talk about in mentorship is, you know, not everyone who has a question deserves an answer. 
um, there are people who are going to ask you questions about who you are and why you're in the space that you're in or why you're walking with the people that you're walking with or why your mom looks the way your mom looks if you don't look like them. And again, kind of going back to taking back your own narrative is finding comfort in saying that you don't have to answer everyone who has a question. You don't always have to walk around this world being an adoption advocate. You can be yourself and, and not have to explain your family to a lot of people. Um, and so I think it's especially for families that may tend not to look alike that we hear a lot of that narrative of, oh, you should be grateful because there's an identifiable um, difference in your family and people feel more that that could be the first thing that they start with. Oh, you must be so grateful to have such a great family. You should be grateful, you know? Um, so, you know, all of that kind of comes back to, again, one's narrative and, and learning how to differentiate between who is inquisitive for, you know, the right reasons and, and really interested in those who just want to answer their own questions that they have swirling around in their head that really they don't, it doesn't matter to them. It's none of their business. Yeah. Some things just clicked between an American culture thing and a, and a Brit culture thing. We, mm. We're less gushing. You know, mm. why, why gushing? Why, no. Well, gushing is, oh, you should be so grateful. Oh, how fantastic. You know, we, we just... We're a little bit more, right. you know, like we're generally speaking a little less positive. Ah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So this yeah. is why it, 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 it doesn't like, you know, we see this grateful thing. I think, yeah. man, that, I've never heard that. No, is that because I've never heard it or because, you know. But I think it also comes back to what you and I talked about the other day, which is that, you know, international adoption is not necessarily, it's not, you know, as as prevalent in the, in the UK uh, as it is here. So, when they see these things, when they see these differences in your family and they can notice obvious cultural differences, they automatically are going to go to the negative and say, oh, oh, you know, I was born in Colombia. Oh, you were born in Colombia. Oh, you should be so grateful that you're that you're here. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, you know, because people want to romanticize what they consider to be not as good as, you know, yeah. where you are now. So that's an element of it also. Yeah. Yeah, it's that it's that um, we're better we're better in the developed world, sure. or, or you know we're richer right. and therefore we're better. Right, right. Um, mm -hmm. Put it really succinctly. Um, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I, I, that's just mm. yeah. yeah. That just stinks. That just instincts. I was going to go down there. I was going to do, uh, share something that I I uh, learned about that. Um, I've just I've started, so I'll finish now. But uh, so twenty years ago, this is just an aside, ladies and gentlemen. Please bear bear with me. Yeah, twenty years ago, um, my best friend died, and we were on holiday, and um, I was really upset. Uh, you know, un unsurprisingly, and the waiter, a local waiter, we were in uh, the Gambia, Western Africa, and the the the, the waiter said. Um, what's wrong and I said I told him that my friend, best friend had died and he said oh may his soul rest in peace and I I was touched by uh, I was touched by his comment I, 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 I he felt me you know and and um and then in the in the morning I told the the rep you know the the travel person you know uh -huh. visiting our hotel who was uh, British 
Uh, and I told her, and her first words were, um, you'll have to pay to change your flight to go back home for the funeral. Mm. And, and this was a real epiphany moment for me when, um, you know, I hadn't gone through life thinking that I was some kind of um, fascist, <laughs> do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or <laughs> believer that the Western world and the developed world was better than, yeah. than I did, you know, I, 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 so what do they call it? Maybe I had some unconscious, I had an unconscious bias. I think that, that might be a, a, a kind of like a PC way of describing it. Mm -hmm. But what happened, you know, I saw in stark contrast the, the, the difference between a, um, a, a Western take and a, a European take, shall I say, and an African take. And mm -hmm. it was like, it was a real wow moment for me when I thought, hmm, how much of other, how much other stuff I've got in my head that I'm not aware of and I'm, and I'm, and I'm judging, um, unconsciously judging us to be better than them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Weird one. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that was a bit of an aside, but um, this is the stuff, you know, when we uncover, I, I'm apologizing, I apologize for it twice, but until we make the, what did, what did somebody said? Until we make the unconscious conscious, it will rule our lives and we will call it fate. Something like mm. you know, the whole, this whole conversation is about bringing beliefs about who we are and, um, and, and our place in the world into the light and having a good look in them. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you talked earlier on about questions, a um, mentoring being an arena for us, for us to ask questions of other, raise questions with other uh, adoptees. Um, what's, what's the value of that for you? Can you ask me that again? What, what's the value of raising questions that we may have kept to ourselves with other adoptees? I mean, I think at the core of it all, it's, it's really, it all comes down to healing. You know, when we see younger adoptees as older adoptees, and when I say older adoptees, I mean, you know, adoptees who are over 21, you know, there's a reflection there that, you know, we can be looking at any child or any teenager from any part of the world or any part of, you know, the U.S., and we see ourselves. And, you know, I think at the core of what we're doing is we're giving them a, a space to ask the questions to feel comfortable in spaces where we may have never found ourselves or we had never even thought we could be comfortable in kind of becoming who we are in those most important formative years, you know, the, the tween and the teenage years, um, to be amongst others who have similar life experiences um, and, who can feel comfortable in their skin, who don't, who can, who don't feel judged, who feel like they, their voice matters, their story matters, their experience matters. And it adds to this collective feeling of belonging. Yeah. Yeah. You said, I, I, I scribbled it down. Um, something about, we didn't think we could be comfortable. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, as, as an adoptee who has thought about my identity along the way, um, as a teenager, as a young adult, as an adult, 
you know, and occasionally as a child. Something that I very much so believe is, you know, our parents are our first line of defense, right? When we're little, they're the ones that kind of make sure that we're okay. They, they check the road to make sure there's no holes that we can step in or rocks that will fall over, you know, and as we get a little bit older as adoptees, um, you know, we kind of become their first line of defense, meaning, you know, we may, we may shy away from, you know, sharing with them some of these deep questions that we may start having, whether it be, you know, for a lot of us, you know, who, I wonder who I look like. That can be a question that might be difficult for us to kind of conceptualize as a question that we would share with our parents because it separates us. It separates us from them. And we start to understand this separation in our experiences, although we are a family together. And as we're growing through these things and we're starting to think about our independent identities away from our families, because the world, as we grow, starts to look at us and say, you know, oh, you are a person of color and you probably, you know, in my sake, you probably speak Spanish and you probably have family from a different country. Um, when we start kind of having to understand that we have experiences of our own that we can't share with our parents, sometimes it can be a little difficult to, to talk about that. Therefore, we internalize these things. And for those adoptees who are lucky enough to have a community of adoptees where you can grow together and have these conversations in real time, um, you're in, in, your, in, in that experience, you're creating your own little safe space. But for so many of us, and especially for those of us who are, are mentoring and who may not have had these experiences of, of other people around us, um, I think mentorship creates a space where we let those questions out. We let that those internal feelings come out, be a little bit more normalized and um, and shared with other people. And by sharing and talking about it, you know how it feels to get something off your chest or talk something out with somebody who's, you know, who's really there listening to you and giving you that space. That's what mentorship does. Um, again, kind of going back to that element of healing, we're healing our younger selves by being able to have some of these conversations. We're also learning so much from these kids who are in those moments right now. And we see ourselves reflected back in them, but we're there ultimately for them to listen to them, to give them that space. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So so just before you said that, we had the no no one's rung me all day, but you know, the phone rang and I'm, I'm and I'm caught up in the practicalities of switching the phone off, sh yeah. shoving the phone into the next room so if it rings again. <laughs> and in amongst all that logistical rubbish, mm. you drop a a, a, a a truth bomb like that. That mm. um the that feeling that you said that word oh you said two words hmm. you said it separates us yeah the, the, the questions separate us and as you said that I went all I went all tingly I thought she's just hmm. put the, the, she put the finger on the on the button there hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the value of community. I think, you know, when you, when we really start to, you know, community for, for in, in is used in so many different ways. 
I have been lucky enough to be a part of communities, this one being the longest, like, you know, the longest amount of time that I have been a part of the adoptee community, meaning as an adoptee who has sought out other adoptees and who has been lucky enough to be in spaces where more spaces are created for adoptees by adoptees. Um, there's so much power and there's so much of that feeling of, you know, of, of just, I mean, I keep using the word belonging, but that's really what it is. And, and in community, when you're amongst people who you can share things with, there's healing, there's, there's, you know, there's so much positive things that come out of that. And I find myself to be very lucky, you know, to be able to share my, my, my time with other adoptees, to share spaces, to create spaces, um, because we all need that healing, all of us. Um, we all need those spaces to be very real and talk about the things that make us us and to feel valued and appreciated. Um, and what better arena to find myself in than to be able to work with young adoptees, yeah. you know, for yeah. all these years. So how has it helped you? How has it healed you? How has it shaped you? I mean, I... I don't even know if I can find the words, but I will say what I say every single year that we start a new mentorship year. We're starting one in September soon. Um, you know, these these mentees that we have, my my fellow mentors, we everyone, everyone's stories start to impact my own story. Every time I talk to a new adoptee, talking to you the other day, talking to you today, you know, your stories, your experiences, the things that you share with me change my narrative because now I know more about the adoptee experience because I've spoken with you, because I know that you are a person who's existing in the world with a story and I'm lucky enough to have been there to witness it. And for me, being a part of this program, seeing how much it has benefited families, see how the, how the relationships have formed, these lifelong bonds that people have created with one another, you know, with our mentors who have been with us for years, with mentors who join us for the first time, you know, one year and stay with us for all these years, for the kids who come back to the program, who were mentees in the program, who come back to be mentors. There's this sense of importance and understanding that, you know, you're not alone in your own story. And your story has a lot of power and value that it can add to others. And being open and sharing and being willing to, to help other adoptees understand that their, their stories really do matter and they can make a difference. That is what mentorship has done for me. It's given me a family I never knew I could have. It Mentorship and being connected with other adoptees has seen me through the most difficult and life-changing moments of my life. And I could not have done it without the support of my friends and, and you know, those that I know 
because of this program. They've seen me through losing my adoptive parents. Um, they've seen me through reuniting with my birth mother, traveling down to Colombia, navigating, you know, language barriers, cultural barriers, getting married, having kids. Um, it's been my touchstone. Yeah. Is there a particular yeah, so it's it's hard to put the enormity of stuff, this stuff into words, yeah. So I mean and yeah. and, and it's it's very hard to put love into words. We see, you know, mm. <laughs> I thought about I, I was talking about this. I was talking about this to to my um coach uh a couple of weeks ago. I, you know, I was I've been with uh, Lynn since 1993 and I remember one a couple of, a couple of years after I was I got together with her I remember um, this idea popped into my head why do I love her and it, it's just <laughs> like you're in the wrong filing cabinet right yeah the why the why do I love her mm-hmm. it is it is is in the head <laughs> and the feeling of love is in the heart. So you look and right. completely looking in the wrong place, right? Um, yeah. Which is why words can't express, you know, you mm-hmm. can't, words can't express. Um, and at the same time, um, that's all we've got. So um, I, I, is, was, is there a particular moment that comes or moments that come to mind that kind of... Uh, rocked your world, changed your world for the better during the time you've been involved in this mentorship space? Um, Absolutely. You know, I think I can, I think back to the times where we've had kids who have joined the program and, you know, any kid who joins the program generally comes in with a certain, you know, healthy dose dose of hesitancy, you know, to to join um, and to share. Um, I can remember one young man who was very quiet and found his way to kind of isolate a little bit during our events. Um, and I should say that our mentorship program is a group mentoring program. So there's no one-to-one mentoring. So that means that everyone has seemingly access to everybody at all these events. And he would kind of sit a little bit to the side and, focus on the things that he wanted to focus on. And it was really before social media. It was a long time ago. Um, But he always kind of brought something to keep him busy. And it was usually something creative. And I remember realizing that I was going to have to find a way to connect with him. And I had to find a way to engage him because I knew that he wanted it. I knew that he wanted to be participatory, but I knew that he just was kind of interacting in his own way. And so it took a moment of me, you know, looking over at him and, you know, noticing what he's doing and acknowledging it a little bit and starting to realize he was more creatively minded. And I'm a photographer. And so I'm a creatively minded person. So I said, okay, so the next event I brought in my camera and I would sit with him and I would be like, oh, could you, could you hold my lens for a second? Could you hold the camera body for a second? And, you know, then we would start talking about the camera and it piqued his interest. And so where we might be having a day where we're doing actual activities and we're talking about a specific topic, um, we found a way to connect through that. And 
as that continued, that was my in. And we bonded over art. We bonded over photography. And I saw him inching himself a little bit closer back to the group because he knew he had an ally there. He knew he had somebody who got him. And in the moments that he needed to kind of talk to him, you know, talk on his own or do his own thing, there was somebody who was going to be acknowledging of that and also give him his face. And I watched this young man blossom into somebody who was hesitant to participate in the, in the activities, not really share too much to coming in and feeling 100% comfortable in this space and relying not on me in an, in an outward way. There was no like, oh, hey, thanks for making it comfortable for me. But just in that sense of feeling ushered in and accepted by somebody. And for him to have now, he's now in his 20s and he's an incredible photographer who's traveled the world and who has better photos than me and, um, you know, and, and has just become this, this independent person with a creative mind of his own. And um, I can, I know the value of what those early years meant to him. And those were my early years of being a mentor and being a young person myself. Um, and that is the impact that I immediately knew. We all need somebody to see something in us without us having to tell them about it so that we feel like we're being seen. We feel we feel like we're we're making that connection and when it doesn't have to be this whole production and somebody just takes the time to sit with you it makes all the difference. It gives you that sense of 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 belonging and it gives you that empowerment to then be a resilient person who owns the things about them that makes them them. Um that's one of the many stories that I could tell you, but <laughs> Yeah. That's one that always stays with me. And I think I actually told that story maybe yesterday. It okay. still stays with me after all these years. So when we talked last week about this, um, I was very taken with the idea of group mentoring. I'd not mm -hmm. heard about it in the adoption space. Yeah. And yet the reason that it really appealed to me, um, and I would uh, encourage you if, listener if you're looking at this and we're going to get into some more practicalities in a minute but one I, I i've done a lot of work with kids and in a group tough stuff is a lot easier in a group setting because the kids who are a little bit more um a bit more backward at coming forward like perhaps this 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 young man who discovered that his love of photography thanks to you they can take a back seat and and and, and that whereas you know one-to-one -one stuff it's like yeah the, the the other person feels like they're under a spotlight that, mm -hmm. you know you, you hear about this not in 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 mentoring but in in like in you know i've heard this from therapists you know that the for the, the first you, you talked about a caution and natural natural caution and mm -hmm. we yeah we have, we'll have that to a later lesser or greater extent so the 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 the, the in a one-to-one -one situation the other person has got to 
is under a lot of pressure to create yes. to create that rapport and, yes. and, and, and take forward and, and, and the other person can often back away, you know, right. back away and, 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 it go, and the place go, things goes nowhere. Where in a, in a group environment, people can engage at their own pace. Right. And, 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 and not be, and not, and not uh, leave the space because they feel un, uncomfortable. Uh, right. I mean, I think group mentoring allows for people to make very organic and unique and um, occasionally, you know, conscious connections with people, you know, because our program gives kids spaces to talk, but we also have a lot of fun. We do a lot of fun activities throughout New York City. Um, you know, you may gravitate towards somebody differently in a conversational space and then somebody else when we're out, you know, rock climbing or when we're out going through Central Park Zoo. Um, and that availability of, you know, connecting with other people based on the setting, but then ultimately, you know, you also have that deep connection of being an adoptee. It, it bonds you on different levels and what we've definitely experienced is that our kids make connections with us, whether we know it or not, you know, they make those kind of, you know, unconscious, um, uh, I should say subconscious um, connections with us in different, in different spaces, um, which makes our programming even more important because, you know, something that we ask of our mentors is that they're fully committed to the full year so that they have an opportunity to get to know these kids in a lot of different settings. It takes the pressure off of looking at somebody and saying, okay, so tell me what's up with you today. What do we, what do we want to do today? They have people to choose from. They have other, they have their peers to choose from, you know, who they want to hang out with or, or who they want to talk to, or, you know, how we break our groups up, you know, depending on the activities. Um, and I think because of that, it's, it's grown a lot of really wonderful connections um, and people have a chance to get to know one another in each event in a different way yeah, yeah. so imagine for you know the the listeners are, are, are still listening with whatever 35 35 40 minutes in right and yeah. the doctor parents thinking yeah i think this is for me but you know how am i going to engage my kid my team in in this in this process how yeah. because um, I think it's a good thing, but I definitely don't want to. Um, I, I don't want to um, put put any pressure on my child to explore this further, or my team to explore yeah. this further. How, how do you help parents? In what, what could you say to, to parents to overcome that hurdle? Yeah. Well, I mean, first, you know, for adoptive parents who find programming like this or who hear this and are intrigued, you know, there's an element of this where, you know, the parents know that this is going to be a special space for their kids that they cannot really participate in. Of course, there's other spaces for the parents to participate in their own spaces. But, you know, I acknowledge that even kind of, a, you know, for parents to be able to acknowledge that this could be something that's really beneficial to their kids is a really great first step. Um, you know, and again, like I said before, every kid who kind of comes into this program, there's a healthy dose of hesitancy, but the kid has, the child, the teenager has to want to be a part of this program. 
So the way that we enroll our families is so that the kids get an opportunity to get to know our mentors a little bit. There's information on our website that gives kids an opportunity to learn and to see our mentors um, through pictures and bios, you know, and, you know, having a conversation with myself, having a conversation with some of the other mentors in the program, hearing testimonials from other families, other kids who've participated, the mentors who've participated, um, you know, we make it very, we want to make sure that it's engaging to the kids also, that it's interesting that they hear things in the activities that we have planned that pique their interest. You know, this is not just a conversational based mentorship program. Like I said, our, the way that our calendar runs is really, you know, through September, September through June, we may have some days that are in the calendar where we talk about the you know, experiences of adoptees in, in a very fun and activity-based way. And then other days we're out in Manhattan doing all sorts of fun things. So we always make sure to listen to what our kids tell us and what they wanna do in you know, the new year or, or how they think we could better run an activity. Um, it's, it's made for them. So I think, you know, connecting with me, connecting with our website, having that be the first place where you kind of, as a family, have a conversation about the program and talk about it in a way that makes it sound like fun. And my, the way that I like to think about it is for me as a mentor for all these years, it was always kind of like I was re-enrolling in camp in September. <laughs> when you're coming out of camp in the summertime, you know, joining mentorship for me was kind of like that experience of, of being in camp and, and, and doing something. You have a different social circle than your friends at, at school. You get to be somebody else somewhere else and have a lot of fun, but also, you know, feel like you're in a place where people get you and, and, and you don't have to talk about it all the time, but the space to talk about it is always there. Um, so I think, you know, always talking about it as a family, you know, and, and asking questions and, um, and looking on our website and, and kind of familiarizing yourself with the people that we have enrolled in the program as the support, as the mentors, um, that could be a really great place. That is a really great place to start. So um, the, a lot of people talk about, you know, healing in community, healing in relationships. Um, yeah. healing in, in connections in connection and that seems to be what this is all about and and it's and it's the antidote to that feeling of separation it is I, and I'll also say that you know truthfully kids who come into our program aren't necessarily or families are not looking to necessarily heal things you know, they're looking for a place of community, but I think community does that by default. You know, whether or not we know that we are dealing with things that need to be healed or, or, or you know, pieces of our stories that we need some sense of, um, not closure, but like, you know, just shared experience on. Um, I think it's a byproduct of being in a space where you have a common shared experience, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a place to belong and it's a place to, um, be yourself and, you know, just enjoy others who 
are in the same boat as you in, in a lot of ways. So um, what's the question that I've not asked? What's the question that you have not asked? Well, what we'd like to share that I've not given you opportunity to share. Um, I think I think we've done a good job of <laughs> of talking about you know all of the benefits of the program. Um, but you know, I will say that for kids, they're just trying to you know be themselves and grow up and not always stand out. You know, this is not a group that makes you stand out. It's not a group that makes you different. Um, I can't imagine the benefits that of having a community like this when I was a younger person would have, would have made, you know, the difference that it would have made on my life. Um, but I get to see the experiences now from the kids who join us. I get to see the families who stay lifelong friends who put their kids through college together, who travel together, who after almost 20 years of this program being, um, you know, being this program have still remained close and still can find the value in having this first experience of having their kids be in a program like this. Um, there's so many benefits of Adoptees coming together, adoptive families finding their own communities, parents finding um, community in one another. And it creates a really wonderful place where um, from, you know, very early age, there's an understanding that the child and the parent may have that as they grow, they will have different experiences and it doesn't have to be this um, this separation that continues through life, it can be something that bonds them together because of these first experiences in mentorship um, and in programs and in spaces where they get to be with other adoptees. We learn how to incorporate our families into this. We learn how to talk about these things so that, you know, for me personally, when I was about to reunite with my birth family, I knew how to have these conversations with my parents and, and make sure that they understood that it didn't mean I loved them any less, or it didn't mean that I was running off to find a new family and that I was never going to come back. You know, adoption is a piece of our lives that is a shared experience as much as it's our own personal experiences. And we want to keep the people that we love closest to us. And having these conversations at a younger age, I think helps better um, put our kids in a position to know how to navigate relationships with their families as they grow, as they change as individuals, with friends, um, in other relationships and other spaces. Um, so, you know, I think the benefit of being able to, um, to share this with others has lifelong benefits that we've been able to see, thankfully. Yeah. yeah. So we've been focusing on the in-person um, mentoring groups, but uh, for kids, but you've, there are other opportunities available through Spence Chapin, right? So there's the, um, there's some, there's some parenting online groups, if I remember rightly. Right. So um, for the parents who are enrolled in some of our community programming beyond mentorship, um, meaning for kids who are a little bit younger or even kids who are a little bit older, 
um, that our mentorship program uh, enrolls for. There are online parent groups where we talk about uh, topics that are important to adoptive parents, but that also somewhat fall in line with some of the topics that we talk about in mentorship. Because, you know, like I had shared with you the other day, and I just kind of touched on just now, um, being able to start these conversations in mentorship and in some of these other community engagement spaces that we have for kids, we want to give parents the tools to continue those conversations at home in a way that suits their family. Um, so we talk about a lot of different topics. We talk about advocating for your child. We talk about um, we talk about gender. We talk about race. We talk about um, how to share. You know how to how to help your child. You know develop their own narrative around their story. Who you share their story with. Um, we talk about a lot of different things, and we give parents. It's not it's not necessarily like a webinar. It's more of an open discussion. We want to hear from everybody. Um, everyone has their own experiences with these different topics and everyone's story helps to better inform each other about how to navigate through these spaces and having adoptees on the call helps to give some perspective from the adoptee experience for those of us who are a little bit older than their kids. So, okay. so as always, listeners, um, the links that you need are in the, the show notes and you can find out more about Shaping the programs. Uh, you can get in touch with uh, Jessica and there's a there's a contact um, email contact box on there um, uh, on the on the page that's in the show notes so uh, thank you very much for 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 sharing all you've shared any any last things that you'd like to share or any questions you'd like to ask me or anything else before we close up I just want to say thank you to you, Simon, for, for giving us the space to, to share about our programming. I'm happy to connect with adoptees all around the world and their families um, to help them find support if, you know, if they're not in the continental U.S. Um, but uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. And uh, I look forward to many more years of connecting with adoptees and, and hearing more stories. Yeah. And, and just one thing that's popped in, back into my head, a lot of I mentioned last time that I haven't brought up that a lot of uh, the people that joined you as mentees are now mentors, right? So Absolutely. Th th this, what, what hasn't, I mean, we touched on it briefly. This is kind of um, a, uh, it's not just a community for the length of the, the programs totally it, it's it, it's it, it's a community that's built up over years where people keep on sharing and coming back to it and, yes. and as they grow they share stuff which uh, i'm getting slightly tingly feeling on my heart <laughs> uh, uh -huh. uh, in terms of whatever you're doing and with there is a i mentioned the word magic right Mm -hmm. uh, and words can't say, but that's all we've got. But when you shared to me about how this just rolls and, and how people stay involved and how their their roles within the mentoring stuff really made me realize that you must be onto a onto a good thing here. Mm -hmm. And we haven't, I haven't really talked about this, but there doesn't seem to be a lot about this around, you know, like Therapy is farm is talked about as as a as a as a route far yeah. more 
than um, than than mentoring, which is yeah. why I was delighted to be able to bring this up into the light and hopefully make a few more people aware of it so that they know that they can explore this as a route. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, actually, because, you know, importantly to note is that this is not a clinical space um, and having it not be a clinical support group allows for it to be a community based group, which you know, has clinical elements to it, of course, because we're talking about, you know, deep things. Um, but at the, the core of it, it's an element of fun and our kids return to us every year. And for those of us that we're lucky enough to have come back as mentors, it, it just continues to show you how wonderful and impactful the program is because they, they get this opportunity to be mentored and it inspires them to want to be mentors. Um, and, you know, there's an element of kind of empowerment and leadership in what we do with our kids um, that helps better prepare them for the next state step in their life, which is for, for many college or, you know, moving into the professional world. Um, I think that there's no better experience as a person in your formative years than to have a mentor or to have mentors in this case. Um, because if, we do our job well, <laughs> yeah. um, we, we create new mentors and that is absolutely invaluable and, and priceless. And that is the, that's the reward, you know, to be able to see these kids come back and, and now continue to make a difference in even more lives. Brilliant. Mm. Fantastic point to wrap on. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jessica. Bye. And uh, thank, thank you, you listeners. We will speak to you again very soon. Thanks. Thank Goodbye. You.